This is the Best Friends Podcast, dedicated to sharing the people and programs that are ending the killing of cats and dogs in America's animal shelters. You'll hear from animal welfare leaders from across the movement who will share the innovative and collaborative work that are creating life-saving successes in communities of all sizes. Let's start this week in a city council meeting. My hope is that during this year, uh, we will be able to work and partner with Best Friends to implement uh, key business practices uh, to achieve our 90% live release rate uh, per council policy. Uh, and also to train and bring up some talent in our shelter that exists today. Any further discussion? We're ready to vote. Mayor Pro Tem Hurt? Yes. Deputy Mayor Pro Tem Albus? Yes. Councilmember Price? Yes. Councilmember Rents? Yes. Councilmember McAllister? Yes. Councilmember Cravers absent and Mayor Williams? Yes. Motion carries. And that is local government in action this past May in what is known as Big Country, Abilene, Texas. Today we're heading there to learn about the effort to get that community across the 90% save rate threshold for no kill and beyond. It's a best friends embed community. So what does that mean, and what will it take for them to reach that goal? It's October the 8th. I'm John Dunn. And on episode 14 of the Best Friends podcast, we talked about Santa Rosa County in the Florida Panhandle and the transformation taking place there. Abilene, Texas is another community benefiting from this embed program, which has proven itself not only in Florida, but to other Texas communities, Edinburgh and Harlingen. As far as Abilene is concerned, we talked to three of the many key people who are responsible for making this all happen. The shelter supervisor for Abilene Animal Services, Jackie Hernandez, Mike Bricker, director of operations for the embed program at Best Friends, and Jen Adkins, the national embed program supervisor who's been working with Abilene to implement a community cat program. You know, someone had told me there's cats everywhere in Abilene. And you know, you know, in my job, I, feel, I hear that all the time, all the time. And so I was just like, oh yeah, sure, sure. And then when I got there and I was staying in my Airbnb, I looked out the window and there was a litter of beautiful Lynx Point Siamese kittens just running down the alleyway outside of my Airbnb. And I was like, oh my gosh, there really are cats everywhere here, <laughs> which excited me. I was like, you know, I was jazzed about it. <laughs> Today, I want to start with Jackie. She helped me to get to know her and the city, what the challenges have been and what lies ahead. You know how they say some people were just born to do certain things? I was quite literally born into rescue. So growing up, my dad ran the only uh, rescue, dog rescue in a small town called Laredo, which is a border town. I grew up my whole life thinking that it was totally normal to have like 19 dogs running around your house. Um, it wasn't until my first sleepover that I uh, I went to a friend's house who didn't have any pets. And I was like, hey, where's all your animals? And they're like, we don't have any. And I was like, so I thought they were the weird ones for not having 12 dogs or whatever running around. <laughs> so that's, you know, all my life, I always just knew that this was a thing that could happen. Because of the town I lived in, um, my first job ever was at a shelter. I was a kennel technician. I started as a volunteer there as young as I could, which was eight. And so once I was legally able to work for them, I took every opportunity I could to do such. Um, the shelter at the time that I was working for had a kill rate of 90%, meaning less, less than 10% of the animals we're making it out alive. And to be honest, most of them went to our house. <laughs> so for me, you know, growing up, knowing the negative side and then 
as I grew older, went to college, went to different towns and realized that that was actually not normal, um, that there's so many more outcomes for animals, um, you know, learning about transporting animals to upper states, things like that. Like, I didn't know that was a thing up until spay and neuter. You know, of course, the culture I came from, we just, a lot of people just kept their pets outdoors and that was kind of it. And so learning all these new things as I grew, as I developed as a person, um, really helped me become who I am today. So who am I today? Currently, I am the shelter supervisor at Abilene Animal Services in Abilene, Texas. We are celebrating every month a new a higher percentage rate of our live release working towards that 90 percent um, but it took a lot you know blood sweat and tears to get to where we are we're not done yet we're going to continue to keep working to that 90 percent but let me just tell you i've never worked in a community that is so eager to get to that point it's quite a blessing you know working in other communities where that wasn't necessarily the the expected um perception you know um, this is quite a relief to work in a community that's willing to do pretty much anything to help us get there. So you're from Laredo. Yep. When did you get to Abilene? And give me the picture. What was Abilene like when you started there? So I moved to Abilene in 2017. Um, at the time for cats, it was like 20% save rate and dogs was like 30 or so. It wasn't very high. Um, but there was a lot of things that weren't being done that I had learned about at previous shelters, um, such as a foster program or just working, networking um, dogs with social media. That was something that wasn't really being done. So our live release slowly has gotten much better. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, I don't know much about Abilene, to be honest with you. <laughs> like the town, I looked at the map, like I know where it is now. But tell me about the community itself. Yeah. So, of course, there's different regions. I'm, a, I'm what's called a South Texas girl, right? Um, but moving to West Texas, it's very different in a good way. Um, Abilene, if I had to describe it, um, definitely, I would say... We're called big country, um, and that's that's what this is. It's a big, it's a big country. We're very strongly agriculturally based here, so there's still a lot of ranches, a lot of farmers. When you think Texas, sometimes you think dirt road, cowboy hats, and horseback. Although you do see all those things here, <laughs> you know it's not all just that. There's a lot. It's um, we have a lot of universities and uh, colleges around here. We're a college town, um, so there's a lot of young hip and happening hipsters, you know, coffee shops, all that kind of stuff. There's dog friendly things to do all the time now. Um, where when I first moved here, that wasn't quite, I mean, there was only like one place you could take your dog and that was it. So we're, we're all growing as a community, I think, uh, becoming more pet friendly too. So prior to the embed starting this year, tell me about what it was like working there. Looking back, pre-best friends coming in and helping us, um, there was a lot of days where that our days would be described as drowning, right? We were drowning. And it took a lot of us just keeping that morale within the family um, together. You know, I had a bad day, but you know what? Let's talk about all the dogs that we got adopted out. You know, we when we say we struggled, man, did we struggle. I mean, there was days where we were here. We would get here at midnight and we wouldn't leave until like, nine because we we're getting ready for transport. We were doing it all by ourselves and we were doing it so wrong, but we were doing it. So you're familiar with best friends. You know what can happen in a community. You've been to the best friends conference, I think. So you know about other communities and you're saying to your staff like, hey, trust me, this yeah. is going to be great. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing they're saying no way. They don't know Abilene. They don't know yeah. us. Were the staff receptive? 
there was a lot of pushback. Um, change here traditionally has been scary. Um, so it wasn't, we never really had positive outcomes from change. Um, and that was just, you know, the, our culture was a specific way. We were, we are a family. So we would have someone new coming in and try to change all these things, but not really explain to us why. And, or we would be like, hey, we came up with all these, with all these great ideas or so we thought. And then they'd get, you know, burst, our bubbles would be burst and things like that. Okay. So tell me about that. The, the, this melding of the two teams, you're getting some pushback staff, maybe a little uneasy. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you when best friends first, one of the first time best friends came out, um, one of the employees, I won't, I won't call it, put them on blast, but one of the employees that showed up wearing cat ears. First time we've ever met anyone from best friends. Keep in mind, I'm already sold because I'm a fangirl. I've met y'all before, but this is brand new staff who's never met best friends before. Here comes this guy wearing cat ears. You know, they all looked at me like, seriously <laughs> you know but once once you started talking to them um and getting to know them they were like oh these guys are these guys were us these guys went through what we're currently going through that experience is stuff that we had had before um we would have people come in and tell us what to do but they never really knew what it took to get there whereas now we have support of staff members who have done it um so that's day and night for us <laughs> jackie cat ears that's nothing <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, as you well know, we're very crazy at best friends. Now, listen, I'm curious from your perspective, the value you see in the embed program. And by that, I mean, you're obviously smart. You've been doing this in one way or another your whole life, you said, right? So what do you need best friends for? And, and I, I don't mean that to be like a leading question, I'm not looking for you just to heat praise on my employer. Uh, and I'm certainly not suggesting you couldn't do it without best friends. Mm -hmm. But why does this embed program make sense? Why is it right for, for you and for the city of Abilene? Support. So the one thing that was really missing prior to my role here in 2017 was community outreach, right? We um, And me just being some small town girl, you know, I'd go out and be like, hey, guys, we really need you to come adopt. And they'd be like who are you and why are you telling me what to do? Um, you know, so having best friends, they're, they're like the big brother, right? So they come in and we're like, Hey, um, so this is, this is where we're at. These are our goals. And this person's not listening to me. So here comes best friends, the big brother to kind of take us under their wing and be like, Hey, this is what we need to do. Here's history to prove it. Here's our, here's our science. Um, this is why you need to do what, what we need to do to get to where we're going. And so with best friends, you know, just that constant support that, that they've offered us has been, you know, night and day. Um, whereas sometimes we were just a little guy that nobody would listen to. Now we are, we have big brother to help us out and, and really being able to help us reach our goals. So we know that communities that are at 90% and above, it becomes it's like a really like a point of pride, right? So places like Austin, they've really baked that status and the importance of it into that, like the what makes Austin great pitch. And to me, it seems like you've got that buy-in and the desire from the community to make it happen. And so, yeah, it's obvious the city wants it. You've got the elected officials. I mean, it has to feel pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, the community wants to see better things for their community animals, you know, whether that's a community cat, or a dog at the shelter, um, you know, they want better. They, they're expecting better. This is a lot of change. Uh, even good change is still change. And you said it earlier, you know, it, it felt like you were drowning, 
but it has to feel good, Jackie, to be at this point where you are now for you and for your staff who, you know, you guys have been through some pretty tough times. I'm so proud of the staff that's still here and we stuck it out. You know, that's one of the things that we always keep telling each other is like, we can only, we've already hit rock bottom. We can only go up from here. And I think that's been proven in our numbers. Um, the staff just day in and day out. I can't thank them enough for all the hard work that they do. And we're all growing together. I think that's also important. We've learned that as scary as this adventure might be, um, you know, it's it's happening. We're doing it. We're going to continue to do it. We're going to we're going to hit our goal. <laughs> so your dad was rescuing animals in Laredo when you were a kid uh, doing animal rescue. How proud of you is he right now? Oh, my dad is my number one supporter. He I mean. He thinks I'm crazy most days. He's maybe he even regrets it. Cause I mean, I have, I won't tell you how many animals I have at home, but you can imagine. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes he's like, all right, I've done, I've created this monster is what he says. Um, and it's true. I mean, he's the reason I am the person I am today. So a any advice Jackie for others out there who, uh, you know, find themselves or currently in the same position that you were in a couple of years ago. You know, I can't, anyone who maybe hasn't reached out to best friends because they're afraid that they're going to be judged. I know that was a big fear here in our community. Oh God, don't let them come in. They're going to see our mess. Put that away. That's not, that's best friends or any, any rescue organization. You know, there's American Pets Live, you know, anyone that you can reach out to that you think is going to help you do it. Worst case scenario, they are going to, they're not going to judge you. What they're going to do is they're going to help you become a better shelter um, or a rescue or foster, whatever position you might be in, you know, reach out. Um, I think there was a lot of pushback because of that. There was a lot of fear that we would be judged and it's not, it's not that at all. You know, getting help is definitely the first step to becoming a better shelter. That's Jackie Hernandez, shelter supervisor for Abilene Animal Services. Now you heard Jackie reference the Community Cat Program. In a little bit, we'll hear from Jen Adkins. She helped Jackie and her staff implement that life-saving program. But first, my chat with Mike Bricker from Best Friends. Mike's the Director of Operations for the Embed Program. He recently made the move to Abilene from Edinburgh, Texas, where he helped turn things around at Palm Valley Animal Society. His journey to today is an interesting one to say the least. So I really enjoyed getting to know Mike a little bit more and learning about how he got to Abilene and what he's been doing there to change the lives of pets and pet owners. Mike Bricker, how are you, my friend? Things are good? Uh, they're great. Everything's everything's working out well. I'm finally getting experience somewhat of a winter or at least a little bit cooler weather. I actually wore a jacket the first time in three years. So uh, that was cool. It was a cool experience. Nice. A jacket. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I never had to use a jacket in Palm Valley or, or you know, Edinburgh County area ever. So I didn't even own one. But you're not a Texan, so you should be used to the cold, man. Yeah, New Jersey. Um, so having a winter <laughs> and not having even a cool day it was definitely probably the most like jarring thing from moving down to Texas. It's weird, but uh, it's cool to have that cool weather. I, I want to talk about Abilene and Palm Valley and the embed program, but I also want to talk about you, Mike Bricker. Uh, I don't know much about your background. Who is Mike? So I've always been super interested in animals. Uh, I've all, you know, when I was really young, having a pet was on the top of my list um, where we were living at the time. We couldn't have uh, a dog or a cat, so I didn't get my first dog until I was about 
11 years old uh, when we first were able to get a dog. But before that, I used to, when I visited my dad, his neighbors had dogs. So I would like, you know, just spend some time with those guys. He lived in a row home in Camden, New Jersey. So I would just, you know, hop over the little in-between fence uh, and go spend some time. Like I remember the neighbor had a chihuahua. So I would give him like baths and like just hang out with them for the whole day. So animals have always been a super uh, important part of my life. Um, my first job ever, uh, I was work- I worked at a pet store. From there, I got into like dog and cat boarding. So I worked for PetSmart for a while. I helped PetSmart open up other pet hotels in New Jersey and in New York. So that was pretty cool. From there, I opened up my own boarding facility, which I ran for three years. Uh, I'm not the best business owner. <laughs> so I... I did a lot, a lot of work with the shelter at that time. So I would house animals for people that couldn't, you know, had to have a space for their animal while they were moving into a new place. So I held animals that way. I would, instead of like animals going to the shelter, I would hold them for a couple of days. So start doing things like that. And I, I realized that, you know, I wanted to do more in animal welfare. I wanted to actually be a part of an animal shelter and one of my best clients, uh, she came up to me and she said, hey, you know, uh, Camden County Animal Shelter is hiring for a, I think it was like a, uh, an operations manager position. So having no experience in animal welfare other than just walking dogs for a different shelter at the time, I applied for the job, ended up getting the job, and the rest was history, man. Uh, I joined Camden County Animal Shelter, I guess it's like five or six years ago now. And at that time, uh, the shelter was taking in like 8,000 animals, uh, about 40% were making it out alive. Uh, most of the animals that we got were from the city of Camden. 90 so percent of those animals were blocky headed bully breeds. The other five or 10% were chihuahuas. So, uh, I, I found my love for, for both those breeds at that shelter. You know, that shelter was the, the, the municipal shelter it was actually, it's a nonprofit, but it was the shelter that had contracts with animal control um, and with the cities to take in animals. So the idea or what the thought process was of the staff was that, you know, this is who we are. This is what we do. We'd love to be no kill, but it's just not possible. We don't pick what we, we get in. We don't know what's coming in. This is just the cards we were dealt. And it was kind of like an us versus them. Like, oh, these shelters over here, you know, they pick what is coming into them. They only take animals certain hours, uh, whatever. That's why they're able to do those things. So for my, the first couple months, I just went along thinking like, man, I guess this is just how it is. And then my director at the time, unfortunately, was in a, a car accident. She was unable to drive and unable to come to work for like four months. So being brand new into animal welfare, I'm now running this facility uh, that really forced me to start learning and, and and learning not from inside of our bubble, but from outside. And that's when I heard about the Best Friends Conference. I met so many amazing people. I realized that what I've been told for the past four months is not true, that there's shelters all over the country that are saving tons of lives and they're in the exact same predicament that I was in and they are becoming no-kill facilities. So from that point, uh, I made it a mission to change that shelter around and we did it. So like getting out of that bubble, finding out that other shelters were, were doing it and doing it very well, I think really propelled my thought process and and got me into really focusing on changing our shelter from the inside and then helping surrounding shelters in New Jersey uh, change their mindset too. So 
you know, and through going to, to the Best Friends Conference, meeting people like Brent Toner or Mark Peralta and, and letting them know, like, we've done this in New Jersey, but I, I want to be a part of this on a much larger scale. I think, you know, through conversations with them, that's why they called me to help out in uh, in Palm Valley. So hang on, Mike, you have this great success in Camden. Yeah. And you start having these conversations with best friends about coming on board. Yep. I'm going to guess that what transpired next, you didn't see that coming. Yeah. I was actually uh, talking to best friends about a different position. While I'm in the interview process for that, I get a, a cryptic email from Brent Tolner um, saying like, Hey Mike, uh, you know, just check it in. Just want to see what's going on. And uh, can I call you tomorrow? And I was like, Sure. So he calls me the next day, just drops this bomb on me that there's a shelter in deep South Texas, as far as you can get, that is taking in 30,000 animals. Unfortunately, only it was like 26 to 34% of them at the time were making it out. They've tried to help uh, in different ways, but they're really thinking about putting somebody there on a a semi-permanent basis and wanted to know if I'd be interested. So I don't know. I was there were so many things going through my mind. Uh, I asked him to send as much information as he could about the shelter and the and the program going forward. So he sent me a bunch of things. And then, you know, I called him back the same day and I said, you know, when is this, when do you think this would happen? And he was like, well, uh, we want to get somebody, you know, it's an urgent situa- situation. We want to get somebody there as soon as possible. We're thinking in the next 30 days. I was like, holy smokes. <laughs> so at that time, a lot of stuff was going on in my head. Thankfully, Camden County was great. We built a great team. So I wasn't super worried about having to leave uh, there. But then personally, my wife was pregnant. We just found a doctor that she really loved. Uh, She does not like doctors a lot. So finding one that she really loved was a big thing. Having that conversation with her like, hey, so uh, (laughs) what do you think about Texas and uh, us living there for at least six months? But she's amazing. She's definitely the hero in this whole thing because she could have just squashed it like I think many would have with a crazy idea of like just changing our life, moving down to a completely different part of the world for really an undetermined amount of time. But, you know, once I showed her all the information that uh, Brent sent me and and the need, she was she was fully supportive. So we moved down. We, we were down there from that call uh, about 30 days later. We were we were there and I was started. This move to Abilene also expeditious, I guess you could say. Yeah. 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 We, uh, we, well, since there was such a big, uh, quick turnaround, we, we, uh, we sold a lot of stuff and, and donated a lot of things. So, um, jackets were among those things. So we didn't even bring a jacket. And like I was mentioning earlier, I haven't had to use one until I came to Abilene. I, listen, Palm Valley was not an easy assignment. I think you mentioned the numbers earlier. Uh, and I think I've got this right annual intake of 30,000 save rate in the mid thirties. Yeah. Uh, So you've had a whirlwind month of packing up and moving across the country Mm -hmm. with your pregnant wife. And (laughs) you didn't even get any time to breathe. Did you? Yeah. My first few days were crazy. Initially I was supposed to be the director of ops underneath the, the executive director. And I was only supposed to be there for about six months, but it all changed on like the very first day. So we're walking through with the the director at the time and he's, you know, showing us everything. And then he's like, all right, let's go back to my office. So we sit down in his office and you could tell like there was something else going on there that he wanted to talk about. And then he just stops. and He's like, all right, I think it's the right time for me to tell you guys this. And we're like, okay, sure. What's up? I'm resigning. <laughs> and I was like, 
<laughs> All right. Uh, he's like, yeah, you know, um, we have a board meeting tomorrow and I'm going to announce it there. But, you know, I found my passion and he went off to a different career path. He's like, he said, uh, and, you know, I just feel really comfortable that Shelter's going to be in good hands now, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, my first day, he has the conversation that he's leaving. So then now my mind's like, what is going on now? <laughs> but Best Friends is, has always been there to help me out and been super supportive. So we, we came up with a plan and, and it, it worked out. Crazy first day, crazy first week. A lot of these crazy things have happened in my career that they start off as something like, wow, that's not the best, but it ends up being really, really great. And I think this was one of those things. Not having him in the picture, I had a different thought process and I immediately started talking to every single employee that I could. So sitting down with every single employee, at the time we had about 115 employees, I made time to speak to every single one about the shelter, about what they want to happen, what they want to change. And that really got me focused and put a plan together of some things that I wanted to make changes or I wanted to do right away to help get that morale back that was was lacking in the shelter and and really to, to help form that team because you can't just put anybody in a shelter. I don't care how amazing they are. It's the team. Everybody has to be moving together to make the changes that we want to make as quickly as we want to make them. So I knew it was super important to get that team rallied, get that team ready for what was about to happen. It's about to get pretty chaotic for a little while, but yeah, it all, it all worked out. Uh, yeah, I would say it worked. Yeah. You brought about these incredible results in Palm Valley. Yep. Why Abilene, Mike, yeah. uh, of all the communities in the country that need help, that need a guy like you, why put you in this community, this opportunity? Through this process, you know, I, I've talked to Mark and my boss, Logan, and about what was going to be next. And there was a bunch of different options, but when Abilene was presented um, as an option, I was super excited. The reason being, you know, I've been through the whole process. I understand, you know, how how long it's going to take. I knew the shelter supervisor, um, Jackie, from conferences, and she actually came out to Palm Valley for a couple of days. So I talked to her. So I knew it was going to be a situation that we'd be able to get in there, make some changes, and it would be something that I would learn a lot because I had the whole animal control portion, which I didn't have in Palm Valley. I get to oversee the animal control, the field services section. So I knew I would learn a lot there and I'd be able to control things that I couldn't control in Palm Valley. And what has the reception been like? Man, people like the community has been so supportive. You know, when I got to Palm Valley, it was like, you know, a lot of people didn't know even about the shelter. And if they did know about the shelter, they weren't particularly fans. They didn't know who Best Friends was. So it was like a whole thing. Here, the people knew I was coming ahead of time. They were super happy that Best Friends was involved. And uh, the community really, really wanted change in this animal shelter. And they put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. They, they're they willing to put in the work to help us get there. So it was definitely a really cool reception. You know, I mean, I get people that come in through that door every day that thank me for coming and thank Best Friends for being involved. Um, and that wasn't the reception that we received at Palm Valley in the beginning, not because people didn't like it. They just didn't know enough. Um, but here it is definitely an animal community. They love their pets. They love the animals and they want change in the animal shelter. And they're super happy that it's that it's happening. The structure of the embeds always interesting to me. Like you truly are embedded in this one. What is your title? Uh, you know, who do you report to? Yeah, so I'm I'm the animal services director. So uh, we are in the general government 
portion. So I report to the deputy city manager and I am a paid employee of Best Friends, but we have a contract with the city of Abilene that I'm going to oversee this shelter. I have all the roles and responsibilities, everything of the animal services director. So I'm treated no differently. So what do the numbers look like hitting 90% when? Yeah, we're definitely going to hit 90 in the next six months. Uh, I think within the next month, I think, uh, I think we've generally uh, been bumping up um, now three or 4% every month uh, at 87. I think next month could be our first month at 90. And I don't think we're going to go backwards from there at all. I know Palm Valley, you uh, ended up staying, I think longer than originally was planned. Is this one also kind of fluid? Yeah, this is pretty definitive. I'm going to be here a year. I don't think anything would stop me from not being here a year unless we couldn't find somebody to take over the shelter if we couldn't find a director to to take over. But I I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. But yeah, I mean, we're making super great changes. We're doing it pretty quickly. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to be sustainable. So yeah, I was in the army and I don't know if, uh, a lot of people know that or not, but in certain situations, you have the opportunity to choose your next duty station. So where, you know, where you'll be going to next. So my hope for you, Mike, and your wife is that you get to choose where you're off to. Maybe, maybe you can be prepared, man, and have like the appropriate thickness of outerwear ready and, you know, in the suitcase before you hit the road. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I had a cool conversation, uh, just last week. I think we will have that that choice. And uh, it's exciting. I love everything that we've been able to do here in Texas and as part of this program. And man, I'm agreeable. Like if best friends comes to me and they're like, Hey Mike, you know, this is what we would love for you to do next. You know, this is the impact that you could make by doing these things, man. That's what I'm doing. It's been such a great experience to work for best friends. We're going to be no kill by 2025. And a lot of that's going to be driven by this group of people. It's exciting. I love the work. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited for whatever is next. How about as far north as you can go in Minnesota? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we we have an embed in Hawaii now, you know? Dude, I know. How lucky is that? Yeah, that person's super lucky. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, who knows, man? I, like I said, you know, whenever you have something that shows the success that this program has, has shown, it's going to keep growing. It's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, we're going to have embeds, hopefully, definitely in every one of the, the priority states, but hopefully all over. Abilene's quest for no kill will involve tackling an issue that communities across the country struggle with, and that is cat life-saving. The data shows this cat crisis. Of all animals killed nationally last year, two-thirds were cats. So two cats were killed for every one dog. And we know how to save them. The Best Friends Community Cat Programs use a combined approach of both targeted trap neuter return and return to field, sometimes referred to as shelter neuter return. I mean, why take in perfectly healthy cats to just kill them? Both approaches involve taking the healthy cats fixing and vaccinating and returning them to where they live. Jen Adkins is the National Embed Program Specialist. She's worked with Abilene and communities across the country on implementing this crucial life-saving program. Abilene, before we did any kind of programming, was very much that typical 
cats come into the shelter, the ones that are friendly and not sick, you know, they try to put them up for adoption. Um, and everyone else, unfortunately, was euthanized. They didn't have many options for any of the other cats. So feral cats, stray cats, cats that were sick. They didn't really have a lot of options for those cats. So those cats were dying. Of all the life-saving programs, Jen, I feel like community cat work may be the most difficult from a buy-in perspective uh, within the shelter and outside of the shelter. A lot of strong opinions about cats uh, and what should happen to them. So interested to know, you know, given the situation in Abilene, what the reception has been like to this. Absolutely. You know, the, re the reception of the shelter staff was very hesitant. And I think a lot of that came from they have had so much overturn in their leadership at their shelter. Best Friends kind of came into Abilene at a time where uh, they were experiencing a lot of change, not knowing what things were going to look like, what their day-to-day -day routine was even going to look like, what their policies and procedures were going to look like, what kind of support they would have from city management and leadership. So they were very hesitant, um, welcoming, but very like, I, I don't know what to expect from this. I don't know what to expect from this partnership. I don't know where this is going to, to take us. And I think the community felt that as well. Um, going out into the community, people were very hesitant to talk to us about animal-related issues in general. You know, they didn't want to get in trouble. There's lots of free-roaming cats. There's lots of free-roaming animals in general. People, you know, have trouble keeping their animals contained and that sort of thing. And so I think there was a lot of fear and anxiety about getting in trouble. And um, that's not what we were there to do. We were there to just learn about what everybody's experience was, what what areas we could help with. Um, so I felt very welcomed, but very like, you know, everyone's a little afraid about what's going to happen next, really. Jen, another thing to deal with, uh, shifting the culture, you know, you're looking for staff to really change an entire approach to life-saving. And, you know, this isn't, uh, I don't know, a, a new cleaning procedure or a new time card system. Like this is, this is big shift stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. The culture part of it is still a challenge, um, especially within the, you know, intake staff. I think the biggest he hesitation there is that they are it's it's very uncomfortable to have these conversations or to have really any kind of conversations with the public it's much easier to just have them write their information on a sheet of paper hand them the sheet of paper take the animal take the dog the cat and say thank you very much have a nice day rather than to have kind of any you know get out of that comfort zone and have a conversation you know why are you bringing us the animal where does the animal live? What's the situation? That whole change for that shelter has been a challenge uh, over this last year. They haven't had consistent leadership before Mike stepped in. And, um, and when they did have consistent leadership, that suddenly changed. And they were, you know, folks were feeling like, you know, I, I felt like, like I had leadership in my shelter that, that had my back and that, really supported me and in, in, in my job and my position. And now I don't feel like I have that support. And so I'm kind of hesitant to really do anything um, other than, you know, the mechanical parts of my job. And so I think that is a struggle that we're overcoming in Abilene um, is the, that comfort level. Um, Brittany, who's running the community cat program, 
is an excellent model of those conversations, um, not only at time of intake, but out in the community talking to folks, really getting to the nitty gritty of, you know, why are you bringing us cats? What's the situation? And really coming from a place of non-judgment and, and making people feel at ease, like she's not trying to get them in trouble. She's not trying to, you know, write them a ticket or anything like that. She's, she's just really trying to figure out like, what is your problem? Because I'm probably have a solution for you. I just need to know the, the best solution for you, um, whether that be offering you, you know, surgeries for your, your free roaming cats or being able to offer you a deterrent so that free roaming cats don't come and destroy your property for whatever reason. Those conversations are getting easier, but I definitely think that has been a barrier and, and an obstacle for, for the entire Abilene team to kind of overcome. I'm pretty sure that the way we approach these uh, are are different in terms of the length. So for some communities, you know, we're there for three years and others are less. Uh, it, it, I might just be making that up. So, uh, and if I am, don't worry, I'll just edit it out. But if that is a real thing, like how long is the Abilene engagement? Um, you're not making that up. So with our full scale programs, it's three years typically, or has been in the past. Um, I know that we're kind of overhauling again with COVID and what we're able to provide and really wanting to maximize our support for shelters. We're kind of revamping a lot of that. But Abilene was one of those special cases. Um, it's not a full scale, you know, run by best friends. It's a mentorship. So their staff is in charge of the entire program and, and making it happen. So those are typically a year. Abilene's unique in that we we have a little bit more time to work with them, um, which I think is good because I think it was needed. There's like lots of things that we can help provide support for them um, in that two years. So we're looking at another year until next October with, with Abilene and their CAT program. So the pandemic is changing everything. The way we're having to work these days in this new reality, I, everybody's feeling it. You know, many people finding themselves working remotely for the first time ever. And there are people who travel a lot, and that's not a thing anymore. Uh, and I know community cat programs do require uh, some in-person work for you. How has the reduced ability to travel affected that? Right. Yeah. And that's just, that's been a challenge across the board um, in working with Abilene, but also, you know, with any other program is that travel not being on the table anymore and figuring out how we're going to make that work. So we shifted a lot of our meetings to weekly meetings, meetings that we used to have, you know, once a month or so we, you know, really honed in and like, let's talk every single week. Let's have a set time and date that we just sit down and hash things out and walk me through your day, walk me through, you know, what's going on, how things are are working and, you know, what other areas of support that I can provide virtually. So we've done a couple of, you know, Zoom type trainings um, and webinars, but a lot of it's just been that open dialogue and having a weekly discussion with these programs. You know, just because I'm not there in person, um, I'm able to kind of get an understanding of what's happening on the ground. So Jen, what's the target for Abilene? So the goal for Abilene is obviously to hit that benchmark of 90% 
favorite. And um, to see, you know, the majority of the cats and dogs coming into their shelter to, you know, have a positive outcome and get to leave that shelter alive, you know, and they're, they're already well on their way to reaching that they're getting really close. And we've, we've been able to identify other areas of cat life saving, such as neonatal kittens, and ringworm fosters, and you know, all these other areas of support that we can provide to help them reach that goal um, in conjunction with the community cat programming. You said they're well on their way. Do you have uh, any updates on, on the progress? Yesterday, I got the phone call from Brittany, their program coordinator, and she was so excited to tell me like, we're at 83% for our cats this month. That's the highest it's ever been for cats. And like we were in the 40s at this time last year. So it was really exciting and welcoming news to, to get from them. Just incredible things happening in big country, Abilene, Texas. Already so much progress. Congratulations to everyone involved in the life-saving effort. We'll definitely be updating you on what's happening there in future episodes. Now check out the website. We've got information about Abilene. We've got resources on how to implement a community cat program in your community and much, much more. Bestfriends.org slash podcast. That's bestfriends.org slash podcast. The producers are Tawny Hammond, Amy Charlton, and Mark Peralta. My name is John Dunn, and this is the Best Friends Podcast. <laughs>